Welcome back to another episode of the show. Today I am joined by producer and songwriter Luke Rose, formerly of Ivory Hours, who established himself in the Canadian music industry after winning contests like 102.1 The Edge's Next Big Thing and becoming a finalist in CBC's Music Searchlight. Luke has gone on to pursue a career in producing and songwriting under his own solo project. He just released the first two singles from his upcoming album. They're called Mayday and Welcome to My Head. And we talk a bunch about those and the writing process and his producing and how he put those together in his home studio. Um, So I'm really looking forward to it. He's a wealth of knowledge and a really awesome guy. And I think he has a lot to share with everybody. So I hope you enjoy this episode. But before we get into it, I will shamelessly plug the new single I just released called Northern Lights. It's streaming everywhere now. It's a bit different than the other music I put out, so I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts. But anyway, let's get into this conversation with Luke. I had a really great chat with him, and thank you for tuning in. All right, man. I'm here with Luke, um, formerly of Ivory Hours. I don't know how you would uh, categorize that. I know you've merged the two worlds together in a sense um and you just put out your kind of first single under your solo project i guess you could call it yeah that was part of that we were talking before the call i guess about this identity shift for me personally and like i felt kind of disconnected from that moniker of the band and like i've always written the music and it's been like my songs kind of thing but i think in the beginning i didn't have the courage to just like operate under my own name and then it's like weird on like wanted to be more active on social media and stuff like that and like it always feels felt weird to me anyways when I was like interacting with people from this like through a um like a moniker not just myself like I'd rather just be Luke you know yeah yeah (laughs) trying to find ways to promote everything online and it's like you try it's like you're trying to be yourself online but then at the same time you feel weird because nobody's around and you're just talking to a screen yeah for sure and just like yeah, when I interact, with, it's weird. Like I know when I talk to band accounts and stuff, like you never know like who you're talking to through those things, right? And so, um, yeah, I don't know. I just wanted to be a lot more personal, and this like next round of music is like super personal to me. Yeah, and like you were saying before too, you're. I know you're one of the main writers of all the Ivory Hour stuff. I know you started off things like your sister was in the band too. Were you always essentially the head main writer of yeah to be honest i've written all i've written all the songs it's just the way that it's just the way that it went i always encouraged people to write because that's like the raw material of this business like if you can write songs then you absolutely should try to do it but um yeah i guess it's just like i don't know i think i don't think it's a thing you have or you don't have but like because you can definitely develop the skill like i wasn't good at it Um, But there is a thing where it's like you have to be inspired enough to want to do the work to get good at the thing. So um, I don't know. That's just like an interesting area to me in general of like what inspires a person to want to do that labor to get to the point where they can make something like that. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good point, too. I think like especially now with all the you know, you can post a video on TikTok or something and and just all of a sudden have, you know, it could be your first single. Maybe it's just really right in the market of what people want to hear. And then you just get flooded with all this stuff for, for a minute. And then you're not too sure, you know, where your music career is going or who you actually want to be as a musician. And you sort of get lost up in being like, ah, oh, shit, I got famous all of a sudden. And now I don't know what to do with it. Or I, you know, I haven't put in that time. So I think it's a little more exciting in the sense of, oh, I can actually become a famous musician in six months if I post on my stuff all the time, but you know, that happens to some people, not to everybody. So then you kind of find 
a lot of times there'll be people who are lifelong musicians and then people who just sort of think it's a cool thing to play music and they, they jump in and then they jump right out of there because they're like, this, this is crazy. This isn't working immediately. So, I mean, I've been playing music for a long time and it's something I just can't get out of my bones. And like we were saying, you're definitely like that as well. Even starting a family and stuff and a lot of other things can keep you busy, but here you are in your killer home studio and recording and producing out of it too, right? Yeah, for sure. I think that's definitely, uh, I forget who says that, if that's a Mark Manson thing or whatever, but you got to figure out what shit sandwiches you like eating, you know, <laughs> and they're just like, I happen to like the flavor of these ones, I guess, like, cause there's so much garbage to do with like being a musician person. Right. But if you can put up with it and still be passionate about it, there, there's a lot of tests to that. It's interesting. Like, um, you can think you love something, but it's when it really comes down to the wire where you'll, you'll find out, I guess. But yeah, to your other point too, though, it's interesting. Like sometimes like you can get bummed out that you've been doing it so long and haven't necessarily seen the success that you think like you deserve or want or whatever. But then when I am in a better frame of mind about it, I think I'm actually glad that it like, it's more of a process. Cause if I, something had happened to me earlier on in the process, then I don't think I would have been prepared for that. Right. If you know what I mean? Like I feel ready now and prepared for situations where like if the right artist fell into my lap that I'd be, um, I'd feel well equipped to produce that person. If, but if it happened five years ago, I would have made a fool of myself. You know what I mean? So <laughs> it's, uh, it's kind of good to have the time to, to develop in a lot of ways though, like, you know, in those quick success stories, often there's an infrastructure will build around you. So it's not like you're operating alone, but yeah, yeah. There's a lot of because you can also get swept up in a thing that you don't understand and then end up in a place that um, you don't necessarily want to be. So, yeah, I started meditating recently. So maybe that's what's got me feeling, you know, peaceful about it. <laughs> and uh, the meditation stuff, have you been using something like I know Headspace is a big one or is it, has it been sort of through other means you've learned how to kind of grasp like an approach at, at what meditation works for you? No, it's called Waking Up. It's um, Sam Harris's app. Do you know that dude? I do know Sam Harris. Yeah, yeah. That's I didn't know he had that app though. That's cool. Man, it's crazy. Like I've heard him talk about it on his podcast for years, probably, and never really tried it. And then I was kind of just at like a critical point, like a month ago or something, and finally got it. And yeah, it's been so interesting. I love his point of view on it because it's not like um, you're not trying to create some alternate state of like um, serenity or something like that. It's mostly just observing your consciousness, which is like the yeah. trippiest thing. <laughs> I was saying to my friend, it's like the closest thing to drugs that isn't drugs. Because <laughs> like yesterday I was like doing this meditation. I was like, you know how you can think of like music as like, um, you know, 180 degrees pretty much like panning stuff left to right kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And so he's yeah. getting you to focus on these different, your attention on these different things and sounds and stuff like that. And it was so interesting because I was like thinking about my breath and it was like mono, but like my <laughs> thought, these all consuming, like shitty thoughts that I had were 360, man, they were stereo. It's so That's interesting. Hilarious. There's like different, like dimension to, um, awareness. Oh man. It's like, yeah. 
Honestly. Yeah, it is. It, it it is, man. I've heard of I don't know, you know, with the with the very intense meditation stuff. I've heard you can you can achieve these states that are essentially like psychedelics, and you hallucinate, and you can get into these wild areas. But like you said, man, it's a great practice on just letting like it's like a river of thoughts that just kind of go by you. And uh, there's so much noise and bullshit that goes on in your head that tries to take over your main focus. Oh man, it's made me realize how bad my attention is. And that's definitely like <laughs> social media has had a, a detrimental oh, effect on that for sure. But it's like hilarious. They're only 10 minute meditation. Sometimes they feel like so long, but he'll just like, He'll be like, yeah, so how about you just like try and focus on your breath for 30 seconds? I'm like, yeah, no problem. Like literally five seconds later, I'm like, yeah, and I got to <laughs> do the EQ on that. And I got to, you know, do this and also take my car to get the mechanic. And like, it's crazy how um, quickly you can drift off. So it's cool to really notice that. And then what I like about his thing, too, is like you can always begin again. You don't have to like chastise yourself for getting distracted. It's just like, no, I'll just bring it back and try again. And you can just always try again. There's something so nice about that. Is that something that you do every day or try to do every day? I mean, for I've only been in it for like a little over a week, but yeah, I've been trying to do it um, at least every day. Ideal to me is like, I would like to at least sandwich my days with it. And then if I can do even three to do like a nice little reset in the middle would be nice. Cause it really does just like re- center me but then again i get like fixate on things and obsess so maybe i'm just really into <laughs> meditation right now because <laughs> it's new so we'll we'll see how it um, goes in the end but it, it's also just like 10 minutes which is crazy like, yeah. who doesn't have 10 minutes i know it's funny to say that right so. it's like you should you should have 10 minutes real in real life you know it shouldn't be that hard to find but yeah you'll find those excuses real quick oh for sure but then it's just to me it's just like you can go on social media and you can burn 10 minutes 10 minutes on there will feel like literally 10 seconds, but 10 yeah. minutes when meditating sometimes feels like, you know, an hour. It's cool. That's a really good point. Sometimes I feel like um, with uh, having to promote yourself as, you know, most people as an independent artist or something, just trying to break through all the noise and uh, get people to listen to your stuff. It's, you, you know, you have to find these avenues like Instagram and TikTok and social media. So it's almost like you have to you know, dabble in the drugs while not getting hooked on them somehow, because you, you know, it's super oh, easy man. to just, you know, Oh shit, I didn't write at all today. Cause I was just trying to promote this new song I have, but I wanted to do some writing today. And now TikTok took me an hour to make some videos and post some stuff. And then you don't see the return you'd hope for. And the momentum's tricky. So it's something that you got to like, yeah, really focus on, but it's scary. Cause then you, like you said, you can just end up scrolling on, on crap for, a couple hours and then it's such a waste of time and that compounds you know week after week and the amount of hours you could have had to work on stuff it's it's hard to dodge it it's hard to stay away from it it's real dangerous man and there's another section on this app not we're harping on it but i think it's really valuable <clears throat> of this like they call it it's like uh there's some like theory-based stuff on there and then some like life-based stuff and this one was about time management and this guy was going on about all this stuff and how like you know how productivity is like such a thing on the internet now there's all these like productivity hacks and i don't know if you've yeah. been exposed to that like youtube culture at all of that oh, stuff yeah. and it's interesting him like exposing that as a, a myth basically that you're like people trying to pretend like they have infinite time to stuff tasks in which is really the opposite of reality which is like you have finite time on this earth and in any given day and so like to truly value it 
you have to like shut out lots of things and choose to like not not that you can't be efficient about things but you can't do everything yeah. i know that's definitely a problem for me where i'm just like i can just do it faster and then i'll do this and then i can do this, and this, this. Like, i do that too man it's not about more stuff it's about like fewer things with higher quality yeah exactly but man exactly it is hard to not to get high on your own supply with the social media <laughs> stuff and so that can be like a, a bit of a hang up for me too of just like ah, i'm contributing to this thing but then I remember just like all of the beautiful things that I've learned from YouTube and like the educational component of it. So I think it's like, um, it is neither good nor evil. It's just a thing that like, you literally have to train yourself and train the algorithms that you interact with to make sure that they're delivering you healthy content. Because like yeah. TikTok, when I first opened that app, I was just like, what the fuck is this? There's like people <laughs> popping zits and like surgeries and disgusting shit. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And eventually like it got to where it was like, oh, okay, music stuff, cool. But it still will once in a while throw in some sort of like borderline porny thing or like, you know, borderline just like time wasting thing. It'll be like, what about this stuff? And if you're weak in that moment, you'll be like, oh, and then it's like, ah, 10 more of these now. So you literally have to be like, it's like training a dog. Honestly, I, I think every one of those algorithms, you have to like pretend that it's a dog. It's like, if you start feeding it scraps from the table, it's going to do crazy shit, man. Yeah, man. It's uh, Do you find like that often happens to you? Because I know you do post and I like, I love the things that you post. Like I actively seek out your content because it inspires me and like teaches me new things. So that's what I would like to fill my feed with too. Um, did you find that finding your own kind of voice on, on your social media accounts had to do with you directly fighting that urge to dodge the bullshit that's out there? So you're like, let me make my pure version of what I'd like to see. There's a bit of that. It's just been a lot of experimentation for me, to be honest, just figuring out like what works, what am I passionate enough about? Cause I made the mistake like, or mistake or whatever. It's like a, just part of the process, but I had started a YouTube thing like a year prior, essentially, but I was just like way too broad and trying to do like cover these random little like philosophical bits and things that I was thinking about. And so it, I was, I'm glad that I've been doing the shorter form stuff to kind of figure out what can I do sustain sustainably in the long term and stuff. And it's, it's interesting. You see what works and what doesn't work. And, um, but yeah, I mean, I would like to, I like I've done some stuff that is that you know how like you can lip sync over TikTok sounds or whatever but like yeah. that part's a little bit soul destroying for me cuz it's just like any of that shit it's like oh you just spend a half an hour trying to learn how to like revoice a Joe Rogan clip instead of like you could have <laughs> just like made something musical I was like oh, okay I I don't care if it brings in more views I don't think I can fucking do this like I'd yeah. rather just like make a beat or something like that um and I think that stuff still works. You just have to be cool with like slower growth over a longer time versus like trying to get something viral. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like you can find a, a music page that has just a bunch of jokes or just something to pull people. That's the argument. That's the other side, right? Where you're like, you know, whatever, post whatever you want. If it gets a whole bunch of uh, hits on it, it doesn't have to do anything with your music. Maybe people will just find your music through that. But I've, I'm on the same page as you where it's just hard for me as a person to to do those kind of things and just for the traction, like, you know, it's, it's kind of feels like it's whether like, and I don't know if it converts, like, is the thing, like, is it actually turning a person into a listener or do they just go, huh? And then they're gone. Scroll like, away. do they yeah. actually go to your profile and be like, 
I'm going to click on their music and listen to it now. I, that's the one that is hard to tell for me. Like, I think there are a lot of musicians out there getting like told that they got to be untucked. got to be into I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people are in that situation where it's just like, you know, you're entertaining, entertaining people, but you're not necessarily getting them listening to your music. Cause I feel like if your content isn't at all connected to who you are musically, I don't know, would that really pull somebody in? You know, I don't think for the long term, at least it won't, it, you know, you're not, you're not really your own identity of somebody that's honest to yourself. So how are you going to continue on being happy that way? So it's better to start in a place that you enjoy, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. And then it depends on where you're at too. Cause it's like, um, who's that? Oh, like Benny Blanco's on there and like, he'll just do, but I don't think he does the lips like sinky stuff. He'll just like roast Charlie Puth and shit. But <laughs> I think yeah, I've so even those. that no has his own flavor in there too. And Charlie Puth too, like kind of, um, either created or kind of hopped on trends of like showing, like he'll do funny stuff, but along then he'll, it's always very obvious that he's talented musically too through yeah. his other stuff. So I feel like there's a balance there. Yeah. And you know, like, stuff. you know who he is. So you, he can kind of post anything and people are like, oh, that's that super mega famous pop star. I know they play music. <laughs> yeah. He also isn't starting from ground zero. Yeah. Yeah. I agree, man. It's, it's a tough world. There's two sides of it. It can be super beneficial and super soul sucking and time consuming at the same time. That's where I think, like, I forget who I saw that did, was talking about that, but it's like, uh, probably multiple people where it's just like, you got to be making something that if nobody watches it, you feel like you got value out of it. And I think that's where you're, that's where you're truly going to create something sustainable. So to me, like making musical things and, uh, is I'm never going to be like, Oh shit. Like I spent time getting better at my instrument. Yeah. Like, no, that's right. That was great. And I happened to film it at the same time and put it out there, which also then I got better at, you know, editing video and that kind of stuff too. So it's like, it's nice to get the views or whatever, but you just know that you got more than you want to be getting more out of a piece of content than the likes. I think otherwise you're like the end date is pre-stamped for you. <laughs> Have you ever you know? gotten, cause I, I know you post a bunch of like, you know, not just your own songwriting ideas. You post like just fun production things that you're messing around with different like R&B or hip hop beats and, you know, maybe more Rocky stuff. You're like diving into different genres. Have you found um, that any like collaborations with the artists that you'll post videos with come from them seeing one of those clips? Yeah, that's, I think, yeah, because this guy, Asante, um, a hip hop artist I've been working with, we like met and worked on something uh for a music ontario thing but then i would posted one of these kind of funkier ones and he really liked it and so he came and collaborated on it and then we've been working together on new stuff since then so um and then a couple other people i've connected with through there so it's definitely valuable um i think i don't know whether i'm at this point where because i am doing so many different things and like hilariously man like the this beat that i posted on tiktok like a couple weeks ago it's just like the biggest thing that I've ever put on there. People just going fucking nuts on it. I and saw it's that this one. like super dark, like hip hop beat. And it's like, fuck, okay. Like, I don't know. I'm like, I'm like, should I be creating a separate channel that's like just beat stuff? Like if I was smart, that's probably what I do. But then I don't know. It's just another thing to manage too. And it's like, I don't know, I could pull some elements of that into other productions that I'm doing. So I don't know, I think where I'm at t today, I feel like just like, trying to present as holistic of a thing as I can, but it's it's hard. I'm like, uh, I have a real issue 
with this niching down thing. <laughs> Always I was, have. Yeah. I was going to say, does that play any part in like you putting everything under your own name? And because in that sense, you know, having all these different beats and production stuff, it's, it's kind of okay. Cause you're both, you know, on your website, it's, you're both a producer and a songwriter. So you kind of have that freedom of not being tied to a band in one image. You, it's kind of just you now at this point. I think that's a major thing, to be honest. I real that was another realization about the band thing is like I feel like bands there's a way larger expectation for them to just like be that thing that wh- however you in- first interacted with them you're like that's what I want you to be for the rest of the time, <laughs> and like solo solo artists generally like if the person themselves is like charismatic enough and identifiable enough that they can kind of take people through. Um, eras, like uh, eras of sound. I'm just thinking of like David Bowie or something. Like he could do, yeah, right. You know, a weird pop song or a spacey kind of psychedelic song, but the combination of his voice and the fact that who else does that recently? Like, actually, The Weeknd does that. Lots of people, where they'll just like they'll do a different sound, but they'll create a whole new aesthetic around it. Like the only band that I know that. Uh, not the only, I'm sure there are many, but the one that does that the best, I think, is the 1975, where it's like, they're doing this kind of sound, and then they have an aesthetic that surrounds that for the entire album cycle, and then there'll be a change. Yeah, so, uh, but I, I do think there might be more, at least more of a license there, but there's definitely, and I, I haven't done that well, to be honest, but I think um, if you can create, yeah, eras, of, of different sounds, it's probably a good thing. Yeah. Do you find that helps a little bit more? I guess you kind of, you don't have to lose it entirely, but with an album, it makes it a little bit easier to establish that like identity versus changing it single by single. I mean, you can have a group of singles that has that too, but, um, it's almost like you want to set up like this whole game plan of an image and all the songs that go with it before, you know, that seems to be the most successful way than just sort of throwing things into the wind and, and seeing what happens. You definitely want that marketing strategy to, to help out. Did you have one for the single? Did you kind of have an idea of like what marketing approach you wanted to have for it? For To be honest with you, I'm not that, not that great at that stuff. Um, yeah, no, I, it just like coincides with all this like kind of content um, exploration and stuff for me. And I'm still like figuring out how, what I want to do with that on TikTok and whatnot. Cause like, uh, yeah, it's interesting. It's like questionable whether you like even need to make a music video anymore, whether you can just like make little micro ones in there and stuff like, um, so it's interesting, but yeah, I honestly, I'm not great at having this just like gigantic marketing plan around it. It's, I know that it's not good, (laughs) but it's like, (laughs) is a little bit soul murdering for me. And it's also the reason that why I'm not like trying to a hundred percent be an artist because I know I'm not that kind of person. Like, I think I'm better as a producer, to be honest, because I can explore different sounds and appease the ADHD element of my musical brain. And it's not detrimental, you know, because you can work on this kind of song with that person today, and then you can be doing something entirely different the next day kind of thing. And then, yeah, in terms of my own project, like I'll I'll keep promoting it and stuff, but um, yeah relying on like some pretty nice organic like Spotify reach and stuff like that, which is good. Yeah. There's a couple artists I know that are doing stuff totally the same kind of deal. They 
uh, one of them's name is Johnny Balick. He's out in the States and he doesn't have really any support from major playlists on Spotify or anything. He kind of just does his own R&B pop styled uh, music and he's doing like super well. And it's awesome to see people like that. And, you know, like yourself, you've got a bunch of monthly listeners and a whole bunch of hits on everything that, that you work on. So it's cool to see that you you can have that sort of organic build of people who enjoy your music if you're if you really are just a great songwriter which which you definitely are with like the work you've done with ivory hours and yourself so i appreciate it yeah it's yeah there's also a thing like it's interesting i saw saw this clip of tyler the creator the other day just like begging people to promote their stuff properly and that honestly hit (laughs) home for me because it's just like yeah i definitely have a problem that with that where i'll finish something and then i'll just be like uh I'm done with that now. Or I'll have listened to it so many times that I'm bummed out on it. And then I'll listen to it a year later. I'm like, oh, that was really good. It's like, well, then you should tell people about it. But it's just like have that issue with it. So I I am trying to overcome that, I think, because I think the songs deserve it. Right. But it's it's hard sometimes to get into this uh, sort of marketing kind of mind about it. But there's different ways to think of that. And that's I'm trying to like find a way to incept myself into not making it feel like marketing, but just feel like it's like doing, doing the song justice. Essentially, yeah. Supporting you know I mean? it. Right. Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. Do you think there's like, there's like a list of things that you, that like, obviously when you post your videos, it's great audio quality. It's great video quality. And I think those two things are most definitely integral to like having something that somebody will have that split second attention span to watch. Obviously, putting some thought into what you're going to say and what the video is going to be about. Like maybe those three things are just like kind of what Tyler, the creator would be talking about and, you know, market your music properly. But there's a, there's a whole bunch of different ways to I do it. I think his, so. his thing was more so just like, don't just put up one fucking Instagram story of it yeah, yeah, and then yeah. forget about it. It's like, keep at it. But then, right. you know, you have to match with that with the fact that like you, you can't just keep, there's like, there's just smarter ways to market things now like you can't just keep slamming this shit in people's face of like listen to my song (laughs) listen to my song listen to my song like you have to give people a reason to do it and um that's the uh i feel like i'm getting smarter to that it's just like finding a way to do that authentically but then fucking this morning i was just reading the seth godin marketing book again that i had put down for a bit as an interesting section about like not like worrying about being authentic all the time in like in terms of your branding because uh it's like you're talking about giving you're you're like providing a service to people and so like authenticity isn't necessarily like a necessary component like it is in a way but it's like it's like if you show up as your whole self every day sometimes you're an asshole and it's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, cause you're having a shitty day. Yeah, it's like, yeah. you don't need to show up authentically that day. You need to like, just, you know, be what people need you to be in, in a way. It's like, that kind of was, uh, I don't know, cluing me in a little bit. Cause he referred to it as like, you know, if you get to be authentic in every action that you do, that you're like a lucky amateur, not a professional. It's like, oh, that's interesting. Because like a professional puts their game face on and they go and deliver a service to people. And I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah, I guess like people come to you as an artist with an expectation. But that in and of itself is kind of a weird thing because it's like, oh, like do you how much do you just like cater to people's expectations of you? And how much do you like take your listeners along on a on a journey? But yeah, I don't think you need to in that vein. Like, do you really need to challenge people 
or do you earn the right to challenge people by um, earning their trust over time? And then it's like, then they know who you are and you're like, I'm going to take you on this musical journey. And they're like, cool, because you've treated me well in the past. So I'll strap my rubber boots on. Yeah. With that being said, too, like you have a bunch of different co-writes with like, you know, a bunch of different artists, too. You don't just do your own music. So like, do you find that when you approach a project with someone new, you 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 have this like inside voice that's consistent with where you come from? Or do you try to like approach it as you know, like, like a method actor where you need to get into the soul of the other artist or the other band to really like make something that you can co-write with another group or something that's interesting actually i think that if i truly like wasn't enthused that i probably can't uh, couldn't contribute to something um and then i've also waffled with this like because i definitely have a sound to the stuff that i play and then i've waffled on this whether you should like with our whether i should be heard through other people's songs or whether you know, you think of like a Rick Rubin or something who is just like, he doesn't even play an instrument, right? He just like facilitates in a way. But then again, you sort of know when it's a Rick Rubin record a lot of the time. Interestingly, I don't know. Um, so a little bit on the fence of that sometimes, because then there's some people who you're just like, you know exactly who mixed that or exactly who produced that because it's just like a sound palette they have. And I don't, I don't dislike that, to be honest. It's kind of cool because that can create an era for a band sometimes you know yeah and it almost makes it cool like i hear some new foster the people stuff and i think it reminds me a lot of like the bgs and some bgs inspiration to it which i don't think they were producers or anything on it it's just like you can have these commonalities between it doesn't necessarily mean they copied them or there's like a ripoff or anything it's still just as awesome and uh, fun to listen to but it's cool to like associate different you know to, to make your own voice in something that's so like broad and and ambiguous it's pretty unique and special yeah i think i'm actually kind of more grateful for it i guess because it's like it's kind of unique i guess to be able to be heard like through different kinds of songs i guess um versus disappearing i don't know can do both i suppose but um yeah, it's interesting. It's like, it's kind of the beauty of just like embracing your influences, I guess. And like there's certain melody kind of intervals or whatever that tweak me that don't tweak you, you know what I mean? So it kind of creates your character, I guess, musically. It's funny too. There's certain things that I like when I started recording a long time ago and, you know, you start listening back to yourself, you notice the the consistencies that you were doing, you didn't even know you did, whether it's like a vocal flutter or, or a chord progression that you would, or a way you strum or something. You're like, I'm always doing that. I got to stop always doing that or I'm never going to find right. anything else. <laughs> it's interesting. And sometimes like, don't change that because that's you, you know, so it's an identifiable. Yeah, that's super interesting, actually. And it gets really, uh, well, no, maybe it's not more interesting, but it, it is interesting to me in terms of like mixing and stuff like that where like you're literally the way you hear things like no two mixers are going to mix something the same way because something pleases their ears that like frequency wise that um doesn't please someone else's so it's like i think that's an interesting thing about people um giving away their secrets and stuff through youtube videos or educational content and stuff like that because they don't have to worry about anyone sounding like them because even if someone uses the same plugin, the same settings, it's not going to turn out the same way, which is kind of cool. Yeah, there's certain like copyright things that get 
like I think Sam Smith and um, Tom Petty had one recently. And there's certain ones where I'm like, come on, I guess it's the same, but in the essence of the entire song, they're nothing alike. So just, you know, avoid the copyright. There's certain times where it just gets a little too business-like and uh, the artist genuinely was just making a song and it, it's like, okay, those are, that's the same drop in the same notes and the, in the same timing or whatever, but the songs in themselves are completely different. So it's, it's a weird way to like copy somebody, but then also be unique. And yeah, some of those are getting a little bit crazy. I think I was like, um, do you know who Adam Neely is? The musician, YouTuber guy. I don't think he's so, like no. a wicked bass player, but he's got a YouTube channel that's quite large as well. But he'd anytime there's one of those musical lawsuits going on, he will um, like do a breakdown of it and like try and determine whether it's actually like a, a problem or not. Because yeah, they're they're getting it's just money grab situations, right? And like when you're talking pop music, like it's all so you're always of danger of like getting close to something else. Same with right? the uh, country, like popular country has a lot of uh, intertwining as well. So there's certain genres that are man, a little more pretty yeah. to it. There's 12 notes, man. 12 yeah. notes, that's it. <laughs> what are you going like to do? Crazy. Yeah, like it's going to it's gonna happen. And the other one that makes me think of is like two guys discovered calculus at the same time. You think two people aren't going to write a similar song? <laughs> <Come> <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah, seriously. And and you know people yeah. shit on certain genres for be, for doing that. They're like you know top forty stuff sounds the same, and but you know like there's other genres like reggae. A lot of that stuff's the same rhythm, and that's always a good time. So just enjoy yeah, the music. So Don't get too caught up on it. That's an interesting one to me. Like getting ex- a little bit of exposure to like reggaeton and stuff like that, where it's like the the expectation is that the beat is going to be identical. To, so that it fits into that genre, which to me coming from indie world is just nuts. Cause like if you use the same drum pattern for two songs, like you lose her. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of cool actually seeing that where it's like, Oh no, this is like, it's meant to be approachable in that way. And then it's like, how else can you make this unique with inside of this preexisting structure? It's kind of a, it's always to me going to be more challenging to make something simple than it is to make something complex because it's always easier to throw more spices in the pot but way harder to be like nope those two that's enough <laughs> yeah that's fair do you find it's gotten like trickier for you over the years of songwriting um in a way like the more you know the harder it is kind of concept where now you have all this producing and all this other experience behind you than just trying to write for your band um do you find that it's like almost harder to finish a project now or start one that's interesting. Actually, like this last, um, these songs that I've been working on was kind of a crazy experience too because I like had them like finished at one time and then, then just completely redid them um, because, yeah, I think, like I say, I get obsessive like about different things and then I had gotten obsessed about some like rhythmic kind of stuff and almost got like sort of like mathy about them and was had all this like stuff that was way too much in there. And eventually, like, peeled it back and got to a point where it's just, like, simple is good. Like, that's, that. it's fine. It honestly made the, it made them, the lyrics pop out so much more because there wasn't, like, this way more complicated drum beat going, way more complicated. It was, like, yeah, that, that was interesting. Such a learning experience in terms of just, like, overall, like, frequency stuff as well, but also just, like, peeling back 
that I realized it was just like I was trying to show everybody what I could do on all of the <laughs> on all of these individual things and j- instead of like just making a song that's like not that they were bad but it was just like the bass was like hey I'm bass I'm over here basing and then the drums were like hey I'm drumming I'm over here drumming and like anything that came in was just like hey look at me instead of being like they're vo- just <laughs> Just let the vocal shine, idiot. I'm way better at doing that with other people's stuff because I'm like always way more confident in someone else's voice. So I, I, it's so easy to chop parts out of someone else's song because I'm like, no, your voice is amazing. Let's get all this shit out of the way. But for me, I'm like, I think it's a piece of crap. Let's cover it up with more stuff. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, you're the you're the one who has to take, yeah, you're like fighting the uh, insecurity of something and trying to compensate, but then being like, no, no, it's fine. Trying to play both roles. <laughs> yeah. So like with Welcome to My Head, did you play uh, on your new single? Like, did you play all of the instruments on, like record them all, like drums, bass and all that stuff? I played everything at the, uh, except, and I programmed drums. There's a couple organic drums left in there. Uh, I forget which parts that was, but other than that, yeah. So that was the, that was the challenge is to, and also in, in the way it ended up, I like ended up mixing the, we mixed the vocals, but my uh, friend Dan Broadbeck mixed it in the end. That was like a big thing for me too. Just being like, I don't have to mix. I like thought I had to do everything so that people <laughs> would think I was cool. And then I realized like, no, you don't have to do every single scrap of it to be valid. It's like, so I got him to mix and it was like the best decision. Did you record it all at your home studio? Yeah, it was all done here, which is, uh, yeah, nice luxury, but then it's a double-edged sword because it means like, you know, you just put your son to bed and you're like, well, I could just re-record that guitar part real quick. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like even harder to just be, there is something about going to a studio and then you leave and it's like, that's it, you know, because it's like, can't go back in and, and do that. And, uh. Yeah, and I think it definitely makes you like get more prepared beforehand as well. We're like, I'm going to rehearse the song. And like, because it's crazy when we did like Morning Light and those, I think we did, like Tom did all the drums in a day and we did all the, it was maybe like a couple days that we were in the studio, I think. Like okay. not even a, not even a week. Um, but we would rehearse like as a band before. So everybody knew the shit. You're just going in and performing the part that you know. You're not like discovering the part, which is what I'll do when I'm recording here. Like I'll sit down. It's like I don't know what the <laughs> I'm like, which is fun in a lot of ways because it's um, there's so much like exploration, but you can get down in the weeds pretty easily. Did um like when I know it was Chris originally on bass, wasn't it? Uh, Chris and Tom that played with yeah. you, and and then your sister was also in the band in the early days, um, did you find that you guys would write, like you would leave the bass and the drums and harmonies and stuff to be taken care of by the other members? Or did you sort of have like an idea of what you wanted grooving? Because I know they're both killer musicians who have no issues writing apart. No, no, they're amazing. I, the demos were pretty full-fledged like because I like writing to a beat and then it'd just be like extra spice from those guys because Chris is like crazy. Like he's yeah. still the craziest guitarist and bass player that I've ever yeah, man, his bass parts on, on Morning both Light. both instrument. Yeah. He's out of control, bro. I jammed with him again <laughs> recently. And just like, oh, my God, how are you, like, doing? He's, like, he's in school, just finishing up school for programming. Um, so he's going to be doing some stuff like that. But just, like, 
what a gem of a human being. I wish he was out doing music more because he's crazy. Yeah, he is awesome. Yeah, anytime I would like need my like musical brain exploded, I just give him a call and then sit down <laughs> with him for an hour, and it's just like, ah, oh, right, I don't know anything. Cool. Yeah. It's good to have friends like that. It's uh, it's yeah, you get jealous, but it's it's important because I find you know you gotta, you can't get into that zone of when people are. You got to surround yourself with people that you think are, I don't know, better than you or that inspire you. Because if, you, if you're constantly thinking that you're better than everybody at the open mic you're playing or something, you're not going to go anywhere. You want I want to think that I'm like the shadiest one on the bill and I'm so happy to be here with everybody else to watch their sets and see what the hell they're up to. Yeah, I think that's such a great feeling to not or to be, yeah, feel like. And that kind of healthy competition is such a good thing. Like it sucks when like, when it's not healthy, but a little bit of, there's just something to like seeing a person do a thing. That's how anything goes, right? With like rock climbers or something. You'd be like, no way that can be done. Never in a million years. And then a guy, one guy, day, a guy does it. And then they're like, <laughs> oh, guess it's not that hard. And then the next day, like a hundred people do the thing they thought was impossible. So it's like, I think there's lots of situations like that. Uh, it's quite interesting how people like perceive a limitation. Yeah, it's easy to get sort of jealous in that way or something where or you feel like you should be further along or something. It's hard to look in and, and try to be like, well, how can I aspire to be like that more and, and not just get jealous and recoil back into my emotion and then now how are you going to write some good stuff when you're all pissed off trying to catch up to somebody? Just like enjoy the breeze and uh, <laughs> just look around. and. Yeah, that's that's more the negative way of looking at it because – I think that's the beauty of the songwriting realm versus like, I don't know, fucking classical music or something where it's just like, it's almost like Olympics in a way, like trying to be the best there, where there, whereas with songwriting, like if you just like emote in a, you know, really authentic way that connects with people, like you can do just as well as the person who's like can shred guitar. You'll probably do better than that person. Like if you can yeah. sing. Yeah. To be honest, like in terms of financial success or whatever. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. Depends on how you, um, how, where, what your value system is, I suppose. But yeah, I think better to be inspired and just like nice when people who are good at shit are not like, yeah, I'm good at shit. They're like <laughs> super humble because they know it's just like, uh, you got you got lucky in a lot of ways. Like if you made a good song or something, it's like there's some good luck in that. Well, there's a lot of hella talented people that don't have those millions of monthly listeners or you know millions and millions of streams and stuff. And even there are some that do, and and you still never even heard of them. So it's like such a big world with so many opportunities that yeah, it's easy to get caught up in being like, hey, I, I want to be the one that you listen to. But there's so many different places for that to be true. So you don't have to be. You know, if there's not one radio station in the city anymore, there's so many different ways for you to get your music heard. So it, it's hard not to try to always feel like you're playing catch up and like trying to write the song that will be with the in crowd right now. Like, how did you find that this single in particular, the batch of songs you were writing was like, this is the one I'm going to put out first uh, to sort of like, you know, emerge out with my solo project on top of the Ivory Hours material. I honestly put it out because it's the first song on the record. <laughs> but, 
so it's the but it is the whole record is set up it's like um the record has this uh this narrative kind of arc to it and um that's why i put that song first it's like welcome to my head it welcomes you into this kind of universe of this um thing it just happens to be also probably one of the more popular kind of ones on the record but um yeah uh what was i gonna say with that you said something before that i was oh the like radio thing the nice thing is like radios is whatever now yeah right yeah yeah. the one that like always puts it into perspective for me is that you know that thousand true fans concept yep have you heard that before i have yeah right is like you're telling me out of eight billion people on this world you can't find a thousand people who like your shit come on (laughs) that's the one when i'm like getting down on myself like come on bro a thousand people out of eight billion there's got to be a way you know what i mean so that's why chasing like any sort of and especially radio like i was just talking to a friend in radio the other day like about these songs because he had to listen to and i was he's like what's the plan or whatever and it was like promote on tiktok primarily and like try and gain traction he's like yeah that's pretty much the thing now like build a story there and like radio is just going to follow whatever else is going on there's like i feel like there's an old guard of bands and institutional kind of stuff that will get play there but like um pretty much if you get build success in other avenues like they will follow if it makes sense that's what i found more about the playlist too it's almost like a spotlight to your music it's not really the means of making all the money it's really just like a an advertisement for for your music so because a lot of people listen there and then maybe from there they'll come see your shows or they'll uh you know hear you on the radio recommend you there or something to their station but it's almost like an advertisement of what you can do versus your main method of making money. Yeah, I think the playlists are a double-edged sword too. Thing uh, for a lot of people, man, because a lot of that's a lot of passive listening in there, and they're not necessarily like the thing to watch is are people actually coming through to your profile? You might be getting a lot of spins, but like, are they actually um, coming and following you and saving your songs? Kind of thing um, is is interesting and there yeah it's it's a hard thing man but i think the more you lean into your own weirdness whatever that is i think that's the key in the end so hard to do but um because there's a million forces trying to make you not do that and to try and fit into the crowd kind of thing but the more you can lean into your weirdness and find your weirdo people i think that (laughs) is i think that's the jam yeah, man. Yeah. Do, do you have, uh, you said that, so this is the opening track to the whole album. Do you, you have all of the songs pretty much ready to ready to roll or are you still tweaking a couple of things before you're ready to go? They are written and they will continue to get, <laughs> to get tweaked. <laughs> That's why it's a, it's a blessing that they're coming out, honestly, um, one by one, because I need the time to, to finish them up some bits and stuff like that. But yeah, the, the whole thing was, I'm like excited about this and also... Yeah, also like excited to get past it in a sense because it's interesting. It's like concept based, so it's a little little bit rigid um, in its like structure. Like first song is basically like welcome into this anxiety fucking nightmare, and then second second song is just like full on paranoia and craziness, and then third song is like sort of I don't know if you've had any experience with mental illness, but it's like. I feel like a major breakthrough is like when you like realize you're ill, like you're not before that point, I feel like you're just like 
bearing the weight of it all like you are you're identifying with every thought every like emotion and it's like you're not something separate from your illness and so that sort of realization is like song three song four is this like buddhist like ego destruction where it's like i realize like in order to get healthy i'm gonna have to like have to be comfortable with my like image of self like exploding and then that's sort of like the breaking point and then the second half of the album is more like retrospective like talking about elements of things that kind of like fueled the anxiety and stuff like that like obsessive like nostalgia is one of them one is like called ready now it's about like being willing to actually talk about it which is like a major another major kind of breakthrough which seems like not hard after but like beforehand is like terrifying (laughs) dude that's awesome uh, yeah and then there's one called i got out which i think is the finisher there was one more that was maybe going to squeak on that was actually from some later demoing sessions but maybe i'll put that as a bonus track potentially because yeah i really like the way it ends with a song called i got out and it's like yeah man it's cool the chorus is like i was feeling worthless like the worst human being on the earth and like nobody uh, understood how I was hurting, but I figured till I figured out how to put the work in and I got out. So it's all about, it's not this, like it all just like floated away. It's like I figured out how to, um, you know, actually like work on my brain. It seems like a thing like you shouldn't have to do, but it, when you got that stuff, it's like you literally have to do some shit to make it work properly. I think recently it's been more in the, uh, I guess public eye that everybody may, you know, there's degrees of suffering from mountain, like some certain people have just a deficit of certain hormones and chemicals that you can't get over those humps. But then other people, it's just, you know, situational and where you are in your life and how you think of yourself and how healthy you are. And I think everybody goes through their own version of some sort of mental illness. So you're right. It's like acknowledging that and, and, and actually making an effort to, to see it and get out of it is, um, yeah, there's a lot of different ways to do that. You know, exercise, therapy, writing songs, and those kind of things are are ways to look at it. But uh, I think a lot of people try to try to hide from it or something, and and it can definitely mess you up. Yeah, for sure. I'm just gonna go and hunt of a computer charger for a second here. But I think the other cool um thing that came up when I was talking to my radio pal the other day is he was talking about how the Welcome to My Head is this like real poppy kind of vibe. And um, then I realized that because I have this thing where I often make songs that are like pretty sounding, but about kind of dark shit, you know. And uh, then I realized that it's kind of perfect for this material because that's what I did or what a lot of people do with mental illness is you kind of just pretend that everything's fine on the exterior you know, and you put on this face that everything is great when internally it's just completely fucked. So it's um actually worked out awesome for <laughs> these tracks. I, that wasn't even purely intentional, but that's essentially what the aesthetic is for these um for this album. It's like got this nice composed exterior, but if you listen to the lyrics, it's just like, <laughs> yeah, that's what I, wow. I did notice that. Welcome to my head is super jammy. And like, I just, yeah, drive and listen to it. It's dope. And you'll be singing the words and then if, but it's like one of those ones, if you read it slowly to somebody in like a, <laughs> like a, yeah, a just wait for Mayday, the next track, bro. 
<laughs> oh, it's the darkest. It's about all these intrusive thoughts and stuff. It's just like, oh, man. That's the second verse. I see myself in front of buses and balcony jumping. Tell me what the fuck is going on. <laughs> it's dark. But over top of this, just like, yeah, <laughs> nice uh, poppy jam. I think I just, yeah, I just wanted to, if you got a couple more minutes, I definitely wanted to ask you just a bit about like your production work that you've been working on doing. So um, do you find that you're working a bit more on like producing other bands and other albums and stuff? Is that is that kind of what's taken up a bunch of your time at the moment as well? That's what I'm trying to do more and more. Yeah, I just am finding that I love it. So I've been doing like recently um, doing a bit of stuff in hip hop, which is so like so interesting to me and something that I never thought that I could even participate in, to be honest. I just like didn't think it was my realm, but I've always like really like, gravitated towards like boom bappy, like old school hip hop, like if I'm going to listen to it. And so it's been so interesting, like um, working on some of that has expanded my palette. I'm just like listening to so much new stuff that I wasn't to, um, before. So that's part of what I love about it, I think, is just like getting exposed to another artist's influences and like a whole bunch of different music that I wouldn't regularly be exposed to. Yeah. And then kind of like, um, yeah, just trying to like and uh, express myself in that realm is cool. Yeah, it's. In, I could see you doing some really, really cool beats and stuff for people because I know that something I always really dug about, especially Morning Light and Dream World albums from Ivory Hours, was how tight the riffs were and stuff going back, and just how damn groovy everything was. So I could see you just really sinking into some some sick beats that uh, that would go real nice with uh, some killer like hip hop artists. Thanks, man. It's like it's a super fun space. It's so interesting in hip hop too. With like the concept of a producer is so different than elsewhere in music where it's like you know in any of the pop stuff there or like more pop leaning or indie stuff that i've done it's like you bring me a song that's mostly finished and we go you know we'll tweak the lyrics and get some sounds like make it sound a little bit um you know more professional or whatever but with like in the hip-hop world it's like you make the you make the song then i will sing over top of it yeah kind of thing so it's like so much more work in in a, a lot of ways but then so much more freedom because there's no like um you know purism of like guitar rock world where it's like that needs to sound like a guitar it's like no if that sounds like a guitar that's a problem to take that guitar and pitch it down and do some weird <laughs> shit to it because i don't want it to sound like a guitar so it's um really gets your brain working and um and just like yeah, there's so much freedom. It's so interesting, like repitching stuff. And that's something I'm getting into recently, which is like, I want to like build full funk tracks, essentially like make my own samples and then repitch them, like pitch them down and fuck with them and, and sample them and stuff like that um, to make beats from. Basically so, making your own sort of package of samples that you have created in a way. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because like clearing stuff is always an issue. So if if you can make stuff. Oh, yeah, true. The, the licenses then, um, and stuff. Yeah, because then you got to track down who, what record company owns this um, obscure fucking record that you sampled or whatever. So, have you ever heard uh, of uh, Splice? The the software Splice. Yeah, I use that as well. Use that one too. Yeah, cool. A buddy of mine just showed yeah. it to me, and I was like, "This is the shit." <laughs> I got to get. Yeah, in it's on pretty this. cool. I just grabbed a lot of drum samples from there as well. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's cool because I thought like 
yeah, before I started this stuff, I thought like, you know how so many people were selling sample packs and stuff like that? And I was like, yeah. okay, this has got to be a saturated space. Like this is like crazy. But then I realized like it's never going to be saturated because people are always looking for new shit because like you can manipulate what's there, but like now everybody has access to the same shit through Splice. So um, if you can provide something a little bit different, it's like it actually is always always going to be to be valuable though i think like splice is amazing because the amount of stuff that you can do to a signal like between between pitching and distorting and modulating stuff like it doesn't ever have to sound like what it sounded like initially and that one's unique as well because you basically pay for the subscription and then with that you get the licensing to to use the sounds i think right yeah i think you just you can only download a certain amount per month on each of the plans or whatever but i wasn't using it for like i think i've had it for four years or something never <laughs> ever used it maybe randomly so i had like three thousand credits or something that i just went and blew the other day on a bunch <laughs> a bunch of shit so i downloaded all all that but um yeah i do want to experiment with making like i want to get a i've got a bunch of percussion stuff here but i want to get some weird percussion instruments instead of just using the samples yeah, it's making one like assemble just like a bunch of weird sounding shit in here that I would never have used otherwise. But honestly, that's one of those things that I think is going to be so interesting to see how that filters through into production work outside of hip hop. Because like, I really do have an issue with purism. I don't know where it comes from, but I'm just like, guitar has got to sound like guitar. You know, there's, it's something about me where I want to be able to perform it live, like exactly as it was. There's some like weird rule in my brain about that, but I think this is going to break that in a lot of ways. Cause you can always, you can always chop it up and put it on a keyboard and people can play it live that way. You know what I mean? That's true. It almost seems like a good idea too, to just sort of have it in the back burner where if you're starting to produce all these beats and different sort of tracks and stuff you know people that start to collaborate with you might want something like that um to have from like i want luke's database of stuff that he's willing to share and if you're like shit i never even i never did that and now you have this like kind of missed opportunity down the line somewhere you know it's kind of convenient for you to have them but then later on maybe it could actually you know turn around and be something else for sure the other one that i never like i don't know do you know what beat stars is I know. Uh, I don't know, know that one. Before. So this is the other part of the industry that I had no exposure to before, but it's like people will go on BeatStars and they'll lease a beat that someone has made. But like thousands of people will lease the same beat where in my head, I'm like, why would you want the same beat that somebody else has? But people love that shit. They want, right. <laughs> they do want the same beat. And it's almost like a, uh, I, I don't know if it's like a competitive thing also to see like who can use it and make the best song out of it. But it's so... Um, yeah, it's so interesting to me that like multiple people will r record over the same piece of music and they can all release the same thing on Spotify if they want, right? There is like sections in the con stipulations in the contract about how many streams you can get before you have to um, buy a larger license or something like that. But um, so it's an interesting way of just like if you have a backlog of all this instrumental stuff that someone might want to use it just because you don't want to sing over it doesn't mean somebody else doesn't, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, yeah, I don't want to take up too, too much of your time tonight, but um, I think my last one for you here, dude, is like you have such a wealth of knowledge with everything from songwriting to producing and like how do you find that 
you sort of keep on top of everything. Do you, do you just, can you just not help yourself to absorb as much of this info as you can or? It's a problem to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I'm realizing recently. This part of this meditation stuff is like, it's part of that where, and I was going through that with my therapist the other day. Cause it's like, I feel like I have a problem where it's like, I gotta know the stuff. And I think it honestly is tied to some self-esteem shit where it's just like, I get a lot of self-worth from like, uh, from like skills and knowledge, like knowledge is another skill to me. So I like have to get comfortable with, um, like that was a big thing for me to not have mix my songs, like, and to make, go back on it. Cause I had decided I was going to do this. And then I was like, that was a big step for me to be like, I'm not good enough to do this right now. Like is a big thing to acknowledge. And I think there's a, like a bunch of things I have to do that with, or just like, let somebody else do this thing. Doesn't mean that you're worthless. It just means that <laughs> you don't have enough time to be good at everything in this life, you know? It's only and, funny because um, it's like recording every single piece of it, writing it, producing it, and then just to be like still thinking that, you know, you're like still kind of giving up some sort of credibility because you didn't like take another step to mix it all too. Total loser, right? Yeah. No, so, <laughs> um, and it's the other thing being, it's just like, it's so fun to collaborate in the end. Like I, I think I've avoided a lot of it out of insecurity in the past because like, you don't want to find out that you're not as good as some at something as as you uh, actually are. Or however, that I meant to say that, but um, yeah. But ultimately, like, there's something to learn from everybody when you get in a room with them. And so I just like feel like I just have enough skills at this point. Gonna keep like keep learning for sure on some things, but um, definitely gotta chop down the amount of things that I'm trying to. No. And yeah, I mean, you do a lot, you know, a lot. So it's, it's definitely a busy life, man. It's, it's hard to, but you know, you only get one. So it's hard to like settle down and be like, ah, I gotta just chill out more. It's like, but I want to, if I had two lives, I could fill up both of those suckers pretty quick. So it's like a balance of getting everything done. And then also finding a middle ground where you can breathe and, and enjoy the, the fleeting moment of every day and every second. Right. <laughs> so man, where can, uh, I mean, I know where to find all your stuff. I love checking it out, but where can anybody listen and check out uh, your music and your social media stuff? Yeah, Spotify and Apple Music and all that at Luke Rose, uh, LukeRose.com for any uh, production inquiries, etc. cetera. Um, pretty active on Instagram and TikTok at Luke Rose. Hope to see you there. Well, I appreciate everything you do, man. And thank you for getting on this call with me today. I'm looking forward to making some music together in the future. And for everyone listening, go check out Luke's two new singles, Welcome to My Head and Mayday. They're streaming everywhere right now, and his album is coming out soon. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy the podcast, please share it with your friends or leave a review wherever you're checking this out. Like I said before, I also have a new single out called Northern Lights, and that is streaming everywhere, and it would be awesome if you could check that out as well. I will be back again here in two weeks with a brand new guest, and I will see you then.